0: As a
1: hero, but leave a fool behind. Hello everyone, my guest today is pretty special, they are someone who I followed on social media for a while and they continue to inspire me on a pretty much daily basis. Up until their retirement in April 2022, they're a professor at University College London, specialising in paleoecology, which I'll allow them to explain more about, and have worked for over 30 years on assessing human and climatic impacts on some of the world's most important freshwater ecosystems. Having come out in the 1980s, when the AIDS crisis was in full flow and marches and protests were rallying against Section 28, um, which is a piece of homophobic legislation in the UK, they're a passionate advocate for the queer community and pushing for a more equitable and compassionate society. They like running a lot, <laughs> so much so that they've completed several hundred mile races, most recently the gruelling Arc of Attrition, a perilous winter traverse of the Southwest Coast Path in the UK. For many, that would be challenge enough for one life. However, their vibrant light shines all the brighter against the shade of the reality of existing with stage 4 HPV-related cancer. It is my great privilege to now invite them to introduce themselves in the manner of their choosing.
2: Thank you very much. No, it's always a, a sort of a great pleasure to be able to sort of, you know, talk about, you know, running but in a sort of a wider context about, you know, who you are and where you've come from and all that kind of thing. So yeah, so I'm really looking forward to the, the conversation. Originally I'm from the highlands of Scotland, um, right up in the very north coast. It was like a tiny village called called Tongue. So we grew up in a croft. So, you know, very kind of um you know, majestic countryside, the hills and the glens and the locks, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't do any running at all up there, no exercise while growing up, kind of your sort of maybe typical teenager. You know, I just wanted to get out of the highlands and and, you know, and get to a larger city type thing. Um, so I think in terms of my history with running, um, I so I spent like five years in Edinburgh doing my degree in, in in botany, and then I did a PhD in Manchester. And then in Manchester, I sort of dabbled a wee bit in running, kind of like the old, like sort of 5K, 10K, but it was like, you know, literally putting on a pair of docks and going running. I just, I had no kit kit at all. Um, And really, I I only sort of came to running probably um, sort of later in life, sort of um, in my, towards my sort of late thirties, when I kind of sort of had that sort of typical sort of mid thirties crises of, um, you know, going out too much, weighing you know I I, I was I was quite overweight I was probably drinking too much at the weekend all the time and really decided that I needed to um get a bit fitter and so I kind of got into running sort of that we really just as a very much kind of occasional runner that I did you know instead of going to the the gym on on the other day um and 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 I think my kind of my real sort of I, I remember really sort of clearly my my shift to running was um when i had a, a personal trainer who said to me at the time oh why don't you do like a half marathon is coming up and i just went i can never do that you know no way and and that kind of really bothered me for about maybe a month and it bothered me that in the back of my head i said no why i know i couldn't do something why couldn't i do it and so you know gradually realized okay i need to challenge that so i did that come as a first half marathon and then he said later, when I did that. That was great. Oh, you'll do a marathon. And again, I said, okay, oh, can never do that. And then I really, it's like the thing in the back of your head kind of goes, Why do you keep saying you can't do something? And 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 I think for me, sort of my my love of running came because it kind of made me challenge who I really am. It kind of made me think about what I thought I couldn't do, and then by training and doing it, it's actually okay. I can have these kind of achievements. Where before, I was kind of to be honest, that's kind of like you know doing quite well in 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 my job and stuff and just kind of drifting on and on and running was the thing the first thing that kind of sort of I think really challenged me sort of physically and and mentally as well. So I kind of started sort of sort of mid to late uh, 30s I think.
1: I'm almost quite relieved that you said that it started with a mid-30s breakdown and that you were still doing all the things then, because I'm sort of coming up to my mid-30s, so I'm sort of quite excited about what could transpire when, <laughs> when this yeah. happens, because it sounds like it was a really interesting turning point for you.
2: I mean, it it, it, it kind of really was, and it kind of sort of it came the same times I had like sort of one setback with work and... And and I think running just kind of helped me. It just gave me something else to focus on that there, there wasn't to do with my work. um And then as I you know sort of kind of sort of got better and better, but I was still kind of very much the occasional runner. I would I would do marathons, but I didn't really feel that I was a committed runner. I was kind of, I would never define myself as as being like that. And that really didn't only come until maybe the last kind of sort of three or four years, I we sort we'll talk about, where mm. um, my sort of health status kind of changed. Um, yeah so but anyways so I've done running for maybe about sort of 13, 13 years or so 14 years um uh but yeah it's it's been it's been good it's been a very positive change in my life I think so.
1: and you've, you've also you've dedicated your life to I, I don't always like using kind of war terminology but um for the sake of looking for an analogy so to several or to many battlegrounds really um and I was wondering if you can talk about your experience of coming out as gay and the journey that you've gone on with that as well because you kind of touched on there that running was kind of linked to sort of affirmations regarding identity and things and I wonder if the two are kind of intertwined
2: yeah I I think they are so I think one of the things I've realized as I've gotten older and I'm I'm 56 now okay and you know even at the age of uh, 54 55 I was still having realizations about my my identity and and, and i think you know um our, our identity changes as you go through life is not fixed is not solid for many people and that kind of, sort of realization i think can be very um sort of life-affirming and mm-hmm. um, so yeah so i i you know in in the mid-1980s we have sort of um we had HIV and aids which was of course like you know really traumatic for many people we also had section 28 in the uk which was sort of government policy time to um ban the you know talking about being gay in a positive light in schools so that had a major impact on education and how, and how things taught and stuff um but i think one one of the things about um you know sort of the the, the battle against hiv and aids and the battle against section 28 in the mid 1980s was it really galvanized the the the, the lbt plus uh, community to really fight and push back and to you know demand equal rights more and more um and so it's so you know it, out, out of that kind of trauma came some positive things I think um but it also kind of formed me of my identity um I met my partner David when we were students at 19 years old back at Edinburgh University and we we're still together like sort of 36 years later um you know I met him at that time when I he's the first person i would met when I came out and vice versa type thing um and, and in that I think you know we've you know, been very lucky and he's been very supportive of my kind of, sort of running career and all that kind of thing. Moscow's better judgment sometimes, I think. <laughs> um, so, so, so so yeah, so, you know, and, you know, coming out as gay and being LGBT, etc., you know, was kind of traumatic at the time. It's kind of why I wanted, I said, oh, I need to get out of the Highlands. And part of the reason for that was I was in a very remote community. You know, there's no one there like me, I felt, type thing. And so moving to a city was, was one step to, towards that. And so finding your community i think um is um, an incredibly important thing to do the so 1980s i did that in terms of um uh sort of being gay and coming out and i think over the last kind of sort of um five or six years i've been trying to find my community in terms of running and, and different types of running groups and the last couple of years sort of finding my community in terms of gender identity and just you know and running becomes more and more entwined with those different identities um uh, uh within myself and I find it very hard to disentangle all all those things so yeah so running kind of and, and movement and exercise forms a thread that's I guess common to all these things over the 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 decades like that
1: there's an element of fluidity there I guess as well um and, and being able to um, also, the, the way that running communities kind of work—the being able to to pick your to pick your tribe kind of thing—and see where you fit into that, um, and, and the connections between people, and it not being based on circumstance, as you said, growing up
2: yeah I, I think that's exactly right and you know when when you do kind of sort of you know i, I think one of the things with with running and, and maybe sort of other sort of sports as well is that you meet people from such a variety of backgrounds you know and and, and i think one of the things with with, with running in that you know it, it doesn't require a lot of expensive equipment etc that you really are meeting people you know who you would probably never meet normally in 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 life and situations and so you know in, in in that way running is 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 really great then there's, there's a paradox of running whereby also you know I like running by myself
0: <laughs> I have
2: lots of my deepest insights you know about things about you know about my research um about myself my identity comes through running about, about mental health comes through running um but then running with other people is such a joy and talking with people who like running and is an important part of their identity is such a joy as well that um so so yeah it, it, it's, it kind of sort of works on multiple levels i think
1: mm, absolutely you found like you know you find your fellow nerds in whatever walk of life you go to anything <laughs> i had yeah, a yeah. similar conversation with my physio actually this afternoon we were, going, we were talking about using the indoor bike for cross training she's like what do you oh, think yeah. about when you're sat on it for a few hours and i'm just like Nothing really. I just like just sitting on it by myself, really. And <laughs> she gave me like a slightly, yeah. slightly traumatized look. And it's like, no, no, I'm quite happy. <laughs> Listen to a podcast yeah. sometimes, but otherwise just look at the birds. And actually, it's just a nice way of inhabiting myself, really.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that, that that's a really good phrase to use kind of like an, inhabiting yourself, like, you know. I also get asked, so, you know, what, what you think about when you're doing these like ultra marathons type thing, you know, when you're running for five, six, seven, you know, or 30 hours, whatever. And to be honest, sometimes you're just not thinking of anything at all. But you are, you know, there, I, I think what's happening. It's, its I don't know whether it's like meditation or whether, you know, it's even like sleeping. Um, You're, you're or, or at least my, my brain is processing stuff all the time and sometimes you know when you know things are happening there's too much to process and you know that's when it can affect you mental health wise and emotion wise but when i'm running these long distances i'm not thinking about anything but something is going on in my head it is processing and i think i've had some of some of my sort of deep, deepest insights when i've been doing these kind of sort of real long runs um and yeah, and so you know that's why it's you know it's it's so kind of part of me now. I think mm. yeah.
1: And you are you're you're an incredible academic as well. And I'm curious as to um how you came to paleoecology, and if you could explain a little bit more about that, and your specific interests in freshwater ecosystems, and also why sure. we should care about them.
2: Sure. um So as, yeah, as I said, so I'm. Um, I kind of work really, I guess, as an environmental scientist um, and I'm based in the geography department at, at UCL and, um, and I I'm not a geographer, actually working in the geography department is actually really, really important and has been for my research because in geography, you have people who are working in the humanities and the social sciences and in the sciences as well. And the sciences are only really good if they take account of the people that are, that are part of the environment so having that kind of like sort of human science interactions I think is is, is is really important um so in terms of my own research um most of it is really looking at how um climate change and um human impact such as pollution um affect things like uh, lakes and rivers uh, freshwater ecosystems wetlands peoples um, et and etc and my most of my research has been done in this amazing place it's, it's called Lake Baika it's, it's in Siberia in southern Russia um, and it's, it's it's you know it's many superlatives it's the oldest lake in the world it's the deepest lake in the world it's the largest lake in the world three quarters of the species that live there are endemic that they find nowhere else in the world today so it's, it's kind of like uh you know, it's, it's like an endemic hotspot for biodiversity And so climate change poses challenges to the life that exists um, in in and on that lake, and it poses challenges to the people who live and and depend on resources um, on that lake. Um, And so we're currently a moment we're most interested in global warming. We have the new IPCC report that just dropped today uh, summarizing the latest findings about global warming and they're not good unless we take action now, um, then, you know, you know a lot of people are 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 going to suffer but I'm kind of interested really in okay so how might climate change affect you know say lakes and fresh water access to fresh water clean water now and in the future I'm also interested in how lakes have responded in the past say going back a hundred years a thousand years ten thousand years over glacial interglacial cycles over millions of years the ice ages etc um and so we're understanding Ecosystems over very long time scales and the roles that human play on the, and the impact on these ecosystems over long time scales, we can better understand how those ecosystems might change now and into the future with human impact. So that's kind of really where, where I come from in terms of the um, in, in environmental work. Um, and so the Lake Baikal is amazing. It's in, it's in Siberia. So, you know, um, the lake freezes over every year for about seven months and then it thaws for, for the other five months. It's very rich in biodiversity. Um, and so, yeah, so a, a lot of my kind of environmental training has, has, has come from trying to understand the lake and the people around it and how they use it, et cetera.
1: And it strikes me kind of thinking about, um, the health of a river and of water systems, um, and that kind of cyclical idea of time as well. Um, that and we have touched on this in terms of flow with running, I guess, as well, that a river can be yeah. sort of metaphorically linked to the human life that sustains it. Um, and I'm wondering if you could reflect on those first days after discovering that your own life force was under threat um, by something that you didn't have control over was like.
2: Ooh, okay. Um, so yeah, so. Um, in twine so, so, so as, as, as I, I guess I, I can link it into a bit like I can do it like sort of a bit of like sort of in, in a, on the timeline that's kind of how it makes kind of sense to me and how it fits in with, with what I've been doing and stuff. Um and so um in sort of 2019 um I'd seen someone talking about um mind charity um doing this thing called red January. So it's like you know you you, you do something for exercise every day in in in, in January. Um, and I thought well I could do that. How hard can that be? Um, uh, I'll do something. I raise and raise money for for mind as well. Because what I find myself is, I think, for many people, is that running has been a, a, a really good way of of managing my mental health. Um, and um, what I've noticed before is that um, I used to get lots of, um, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, very lots of chatter in my mind, lots of voices in my head, all all the time. And I always find it difficult to know how to uh, sort of keep that noise level down. And then I found, or actually, might my my partner David pointed out that when I ran a lot, then that helped that kind of sort of mental health issues and that kind of stress and that kind of chatter in my head all the time. Anyway, so started doing this run every day. And I'd also noticed that by the end of January, the end of December 2019, I'd i been a bit run down and I um, had sort of in lump in my, in my neck. And I thought I like, just tonsillitis or, you know, had, you know, sort of glands were swollen. And then about three weeks after doing this um, run every day, um, and I was doing 5K a day, um, that the, the lump hadn't gone away at all. And it had gone quite hard, in fact, and it was, you know, it was painless. Um, and so I phoned up a doctor saying, oh, I've got this lump. I don't think it's serious, but I thought I should just just let you know. And then within 24 hours, they actually called me back, which is kind of unheard of from my GP, you know, living in East London um and and for them that was a red flag that someone sort of of my age in their sort of um early to mid 50s with a with a lump in their neck that, that that wasn't painful it turns out that's a red flag for uh, uh potentially having cancer and I, and I and I didn't know this um so I kind of went there and they did nothing off it and then they sent me to said oh go look at it and then sent me to like to a specialist um and that's so at the time I was still do my my run every day for five five kilometers and let me tell you running five kilometers a day every day for a month is really really hard I was really surprised about how is it so difficult how can running every day just be so difficult just doing it just that, that that was a big revelation to me um but I enjoyed it so much that in February I thought I'm going to keep this going for another month and see uh how much more I can do um but when I saw this consultant um in the hospital so he, so he took a look at my, my, my back tonsil and I knew that my tonsil had looked really weird and I get con- I get tonsillitis quite often but it looked just in very odd shape and I had done for a number of years and I kind of thought nothing of it and he saw that as being something actually very worrying um, and so uh, again within like a, a week or so I, I got sent off got some tests back and they did this kind of like a sort of biopsy and uh, they told me on my, on my birthday on the 12th of February which is a bit annoying that um, I had uh, um, cancer in, in my uh, right tonsil um, and it probably spread to my uh, lymph nodes um, as well so that's kind of the, the the start of this kind of sort of whole kind of uh, uh, the part one of uh, sort of this I, I hate the word cancer journey mm-hmm. but it is kind of like that you know it, it is but like you said the river you know you, you go, you're you starting in one area you're, you're, your life is kind of flowing down another area and you come across barriers and all that kind of stuff so yeah, so I think it's kind of sort of started with that. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> That's how it started. And I mean, as with the climate crisis as well, um, the same goes for cancer in terms of time and more specifically time left. And I know that you've mm. written um, openly sort of on your blog and, and on social media um, in, uh in a re- very frank and honest fashion about different prognoses and um I wonder how have you dealt with that emotionally and, and processing that information
2: yeah so um i think when when i found out i had this kind of like sort of tonsil cancer and um and it was caused by hpv so you know that's 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 what you know how women get um uh, uh cervical cancer for example and and I do not know that men could have a, a a cancer associated with hpv so from a scientific point of view I was actually really interested in and and that's I think why I wanted to sort of start this you know the 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 this blog it had a number of purposes first of all you know um out of just scientific interest you know what is cancer you know what can I find out more about it central to the theme of, of keeping the blog was how can I keep on running with 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 cancer I decided at that point when I was doing this run every day I was going to try to run every day for the next kind of year type thing and just when I made that decision to me that's a huge sort of life decision to make then find out have cancer literally a week later it's like okay you know how, how is this going to work mm. you know I'm not going to stop doing one because of the other type thing um and then also um writing the blog was actually very therapeutic for me it it allowed me to express my kind of like sort of um uh, fears and hopes. Um, it allowed me to look at things, you know, by getting a scientific angle into it, doing by doing the research for different aspects of it every week. It allowed me to better understand my condition. Allowed me to better understand um the treatments that I was being put through. Allowed me to better understand um you know whether those treatments would be effective or not. And, and, and as importantly, it allowed me to convey to my friends and my family like what was going on all the time. And, and I think that you know where people what I remember from um, the the you know in the 1980s and 1990s with HIV and AIDS, people were very scared to talk about HIV and AIDS. People are, are, are very scared to talk about disease. They're very scared to talk about death, essentially, um, uh, you know terminal illnesses, etc. Um, and I thought at the time my my you know I I, I was stage three, the, the the prognosis of recovery was uh, uh, very good. Um I wanted to break that stigma of not being able to talk about me being ill. I couldn't talk, you know, people you know didn't want me to talk about being gay in 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 my uh being as a scientist, a geographer, being a very out scientist. People didn't really want to hear me about talking about being gay when I was like, you know, say going to different countries, go to Russia, point to my colleagues. And you know, why is sexuality always important to you all the time? It's because, you know, I'm a person. You know, I do science. Science is about people. You know, it is not this detachment type thing. And I think the same is true about, um, you know, having cancer and, and, and running and all that kind of stuff. So to me, it all made perfect sense. You know, talk about these things. That's the way we, you know, that's the way we kind of make progress. Um, and we understand ourselves we understand what what each other is kind of going through
1: and a sense of um just reflecting back to what you said at the beginning of our conversation that idea of doing the thing that you think that you can't do as well or that possibly there are voices saying you shouldn't do like you do it
2: (laughs) exactly exactly and you know you know a few people have said you know oh how how can you expose yourself um you know over over social media and blogging about your your uh personal thoughts and things and you know I think in you know in, in even one of my blogs I talked about you know you know sort of um uh sex life on, on on chemo radiation therapy it does affect it you know and just being open like that I think um I think these scenes can demystify um uh especially to do with cancer and people are very scared of cancer and then they don't like to talk about it and so therefore because they don't like to talk about it they miss symptoms and I think one of the things I wanted to uh, convey in my blog was that you know if you are male and you know you have not been um, inoculated against HPV then you should be because you know HPV is one of the few cancers we can actually avoid happening if we have our uh, inoculations. For me, it was too late. I was too old type thing. Um, but at least recognizing the symptoms, I think, is very important. And because if you don't identify them early, the 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 greater the risk that they'll sort of turn into um, uh, something more more serious.
1: And I guess there's an element there of um, taking ownership over that diagnosis as well and prognosis like because you said about um, the the things that were being done to you and I guess that it can feel quite a lot like there's people doing stuff to you and actually do you think that kind of writing about it and talking openly about it gives you more control over it in a way?
2: Yeah absolutely I think you're hundred percent spot on there and and this you know um having agency over your mind over your body um, and the this sort of body autonomy type thing is is so incredibly important and I think I hadn't realized how important it was to me until I had cancer and those things as you said were were being taken away I mean it got to such an extent that you know because with the radiation therapy you know for 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 a couple of months you can't really eat or drink water your, your your mouth and your throat is just one big ulcerative mass type thing so I had like a feeding tube that I was just using all the time for, for water and food and things um but I still wanted to go running so I used to like sort of tape it up on my chest and <laughs> sort of go running a couple of times would kind of like come out and say oh god I'm gonna put this back in again um so that was a bit of nightmare but but the, you know I didn't want I, I just didn't want that kind of sort of the minor surgery or, or, or you know this treatment to stop me doing what I wanted to do what I decided I was going to do at the start of the year um and although even you know um my sort of chemo radiation therapy lasts for seven for seven weeks um and then the the after effects from that last for another uh, a, a two months they, they kind of get worse before they get better um, I still wanted to 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 run every day um and I thought running because you're you're so fatigued and so ill from from the treatment and um, I so I my, my minimum was, was to walk run at least one mile every day and um, and David would help me do that he'd come with me I live near Epping Forest so you know that was you just get out onto on the one-step park I Epping mean, forest and, and walk around there so that, that was really important and then I had a baseline for then how to build up um, as well so that was so I kept stats about how much I walked and all this kind of stuff and how long for then I could but then I could see my progress you know almost on a daily to weekly to monthly basis and, and that's really uh, uh, important you're right but this, this autonomy of, of your body is, is incredibly important especially when you're having all these things done to you know to you know to save your life effectively mm.
1: and did you feel that or do you feel that running in a way also takes ownership of that journey with time as well does it act as a kind of each day as a as an affirmative time stamp of i'm here i'm doing this thing this thing that is running for me in this moment
2: yes so it, it definitely gave me uh uh one at least i said one focal point so every day i would get out and do this thing and it meant that you know even if I was just like you know, because because you're you're so much kind of like um, uh, a morphine or morphine related drugs, I mean you're just out of it. You're just lying in bed all the time. You can't really do anything. Um, but I had to go out and do this a uh, 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 piece of exercise, so that was actually a, a, a an important uh, uh, focal point for the day. So yeah, so that, that that was incredibly important.
1: And how was it kind of finding a new relationship with? your body were you initially slightly in denial in terms of the changes that you'd have to make with your training and and how did you kind of come into into a better relationship with that
2: yeah I I think so I I think I was was quite pragmatic and I I knew that the the whatever I was doing before that wasn't going to happen over as when I was most ill and, and I kind of knew that from all the research I'd done for the blog and stuff, and and, and I knew that you know when the treatment stopped, the 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 um, side effects would, would be worse for a month after because at that time you've you've accumulated so much radiation in your body that you know everything is just being a, 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 a affected by it. Um. So, but but I but I I, I did have like you know I, 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 for some reason, um, I decided quite early on. That I was going to do um, the the virtual London Marathon um, six months after my treatment ended, and I thought, okay, this is you know this is going to be the the first big challenge i was going to give myself, and partly because sort of everyone said, oh, you can't, you won't get back into running for a year after your treatment, you've got to take it easy and all that kind of stuff, um, and of course just thinking, you know, being so bloody minded, well, no, that's not going to happen. I've got this marathon coming up, I'm going to do this, and, and that was a very useful goal to go for. You know and i you know thought you know even if i was really slow even if I walked half the distance it didn't matter that was my goal uh to achieve within six months and having that goal i think was very important
1: and i know that you're um from reading your blog that you are an advocate for the positive relationship between running and cancer um i was wondering if you could share some of those well personal thoughts
2: yeah so um i kind of sort of instinctively would think that the healthier you are um then that means that you're going to be able to um better cope with if, if, even just the outcome of the disease which or the, or, or, or the treatment rather which are are, are pretty brutal and i think you know the, the healthier that you are physically then you know it, to me it kind of made sense that you would you would recover more quickly um, but then by doing some reading into like as really it's actually really fascinating that there there's a whole um sort of new discipline uh, that sort of looks at um oncology um and and exercise and you know there used to be that you know sort of especially this is especially a lot, a lot of research was, was, was done on, on on women with, with breast cancer and, you know, they were kind of told, you know, oh, you're, you're really ill, you've got to take things easy, don't do very much, rest at home and all that kind of stuff. And really there, there's a field building up that was saying, no, if, if you do exercise, then what happens is that um, the exercise can, um, it, it can actually work with the treatment that you're having and and, and it can mean that you can recover more quickly um, as well because your immune system is, is uh, uh, boosted. And that's what indeed has been found in um, many of of the sort of trials that that have been going on. So, so exercise what it can do is that it, it can not only um, augment the treatment that you're on, but it can actually lead to um, your immune system being more proactive. It can mean it can lead to you having better quality of T cells as well that that can uh, form part of your immune system and the exercise can have to also even been shown to um uh increase shrinkage of tumors as well and and, and so really this whole uh field of um ex- exercise oncology has has built up, which I find really fascinating I thought that this is great I mean the, the, the it's quite technical some of the jargon and all that kind of stuff so I've kind of found that difficult to uh I, I, I comprehend but you know the sort of you know the the the, the results I think were, were there to um, um and and and, and, and and maybe because then you know since I got then you know my cancer kind of sort of came back and you know then I had this sort of reassessment of 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 my health, et cetera. I think to me, um sort of exercise and running is kind of you know it's 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 my hook into being healthy for as as long as possible because um you know, I was effectively given uh, about a year and a half ago a, a terminal diagnosis from you know being sort of um sort of diagnosed with, with with stage four metastasized cancer. Um and so they're 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 running they're really giving me a hook into one, keeping sort of emotionally uh uh, 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 uh stable. But also, you know, looking again in, into research that shows that, you know, if your immune system is healthy, then that's gonna help you fight cancer type thing. And I think that research is is is, is pretty much there. You know, we you know we know a lot about it. It's at the early stages yet, but I think that's not really contested
1: I can imagine as well in terms of um your perception of yourself do you find that kind of being around others who are who are doing this as well kind of recalibrates you in terms of being part of that life force and kind of being a runner like any of those other people who are who are doing these things
2: yeah I mean so I I think so I think I mentioned that at the very beginning so like you know I'm, I'm now 56 and um I think one of the important things I've learned is that our identities can change over time and and you know uh I find that incredibly exciting incredibly challenging um and as I say you know you can meet people along the way we're doing that and, and and I think in the last couple of years what I find for myself is that um I found, uh, you know, it's only since having cancer and um, that I've taken up ultra running and ultra marathons. I didn't do that before. So I think, you know, sort of um, having cancer can have its benefits. You know, it's it's challenged me to do new things and think in new ways. Um, And through that, I found like a a community of other people are also doing like um, ultra marathons and, and ultra running you know and you know it's people who are just doing it maybe once or twice and they've done you know you know maybe 50k to those who are doing it like you know hundreds of miles and you know hundreds of kilometers which you know I've I've not done yet and and the spectrum there is 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 so massive so there's that kind of new community of people who are really kind of like sort of pushing what they think they can do uh, uh uh mentally and physically um and, and also in that time of of the ultra running, I've also found a kind of a new sort of queer identity as well. And um uh, uh you know through a, a running group called Queer Runnings, um many people of you know different gender identity, different sexualities, all sort of coming together, but with their love of running and wanting to run long distances, run and, and run on trails as well, you know to to get off the road, etc. You know many do still run on roads, but you know it's it's a much more uh the the running is more diverse as diverse as the people who are doing it let's put it that way um and then I've also met another group of runners through Camino Ultra a, a, a London-based um a, a running, uh running group who are really um interested in kind of making more people realize that they can do ultra marathons um but um also with a focus uh, um, on the environment as well and um and by environment I don't just mean like the you know the, the the trees etc but i mean just you know run, running in urban locations running in london for example running in green spaces and bits of woodland and waterways all around you know, the m25 where we would normally no i would never normally go west london i would go there for one of their runs type thing so yes yeah, so i find different groups of people different communities um since having cancer and you know all based around running and that's been just absolutely brilliant it's just been you know that is definitely a a, a positive i think
1: and I guess also it's kind of the thing that you shouldn't do as well, isn't it? Like, I guess people's um, perception of being someone who has cancer is that you shouldn't be doing these endurance things. And do you find that you have to kind of combat comments such as that at points?
2: Um, so, when, so when, I, I, again, as with a, a timeline. So, so, so I guess I, I, I had a head and neck cancer uh went into remission for um about a year and then uh, a, a scan kind of showed up that um I the the cancer spread to my lungs so both lungs it so metastasized um but at first naturally they thought it was a brand new cancer and quite aggressively grown so quickly but then they did the the biopsies they found was linked to my head and neck cancer just spread um and then so that was you know that was bad that was like uh stage four you know prognosis wasn't was, was about a year type thing um, and about two months into that, I got another scan done where they found like sort of this new kind of glowing bit in my spine. And so they thought I sped my spine already. Um, and there are the doctors kind of saying, OK, you can't go running. You have to stop. You're going to be impacting your spine, all this kind of thing. And I was going, like, well, that's just not going to happen. I mean, clearly, if, even if there was bad news in the near future, I'd also been running for this amount of time with this in my spine. So it's not, you know, it's not going to impact it it turns out that that was uh they, they they made a mistake with that part of the diagnosis um on the spine unfortunately not for the whole stage four thing that is still uh a, 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 a reality um but um but yeah so you, you you do get told by some people not to do it um that hasn't really happened to me lately i, I think people kind of assume that if you're doing ultra marathons then they just think well oh, you're just doing what you're doing you know <laughs> that sort of seems to be more unbelievable than being ill to be honest I think for many people so yeah that's kind of insightful in itself
1: and there's a lot of uncertainty obviously in an ultra um because you just don't know what's going to happen at any point you you can't really prepare for so many things and do you think that some of how you process uncertainty in that manner carries over to how you process uncertainty in terms of the cancer as well
2: yeah yeah I, I think it does i mean i would say that i'm not really that obsessed about how i plan for an ultramarathon like I mean, you said i did, did the arc recently but um the you know, my partners over in the next room sort like raising his eyebrows you know, I have <laughs> all ideas about you know how every mile is going to go and what is going to be eating you know every five miles and all this kind of stuff um and so definitely I think um what I, I I'm I'm the kind of person who wants to know everything that's going on and I and 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 to keep that kind of that to keep that agency and to keep that kind of like you know sort of body autonomy type thing I need to know what's going to happen to me and and I'm going to person controlling that so though I have no control over, over say cancer itself I do have control over how I can make my body um you know help fight it better or how I can tolerate it better and that comes through the alter running and um, and so from that I can therefore uh to, you know I can work okay so how can I do this ultra race I and mean, then minimize any kind of risk that you know I, I think i don't enter risk with the with the thing about well oh, maybe i can't finish this you know it's going to be okay i'm going to finish this mm-hmm. it's just a matter of planning to the detail as as to how things may pan out and of course you know an ultra run you you, you can't predict everything you can't predict the weather there's always going to be these kind of things that um uh they're going to sort of challenge you on the day and that just makes them more exciting and that means that you know okay my plan um, I think I think one of the things that I, I find through ultra running is that you know for, for, for my work I'd be so incredibly organized and everything is planned down to detail and, and and I didn't like surprises and so and with the ultra running you know so every race is planned down to detail like every calorie is accounted for and then I'd have to change plans within an hour of running a race like okay that's not <laughs> going to work what do I do and actually I love doing that I, I, I love the, the the challenge of um, having to think on the hoof as to how you, okay, what am I going to do with the next 24 hours? How am I going to manage this in terms of running? Okay, this is what I'm going to do now. And um, and so far it's all worked out. And so far it's all been absolutely brilliant. I haven't had a nightmare of time yet. And um, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm not doing things dangerously enough. I'm not quite sure, um, but yeah, but it's, 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 it's all kind of working out so well, uh, so far.
1: I don't know I think there's a right way of doing it. So, <laughs> worry about that but I'm interested because it, you've uh reflected there on your sort of need to know and and knowing and, and and writing about it and researching actually being a way of processing things and I wonder what your relationship is with more kind of rab- abstract feelings like hope um and whether you kind of dare yourself to have it and do you think it's necessary to have hope when you are enduring in all aspects of life really or is it about something else that gets you through
2: yeah so I think that the the thing that I realized about myself since having cancer and 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 doing this altar running is that I used to think of myself as a bit of like sort of you know scorched pessimist to be honest it's like oh something's going to go wrong you know all that kind of stuff uh, but in actual fact, I, I think actually I'm a very optimistic person, and um and I, I, I don't know whether hope is the right word because hope is kind of um, you know maybe it'll work out or won't, and there's there's some kind of like sort of higher thing there that could affect stuff. I'm 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 not sure about that, but I'm definitely very um, positive outlook in that you know there are different outcomes some of which you can affect and some of which you can't. So, um, you know, like I said, like, so with with the, the running, I'll always go into it with, I, I would never go into it with the, with the thought of, oh, I hope I finish this. It is, okay, I'm going to finish this. Am I going to do it in a time that I'm going to be happy with Um, at, at, at type things? I, I don't see the point in, I, I, I can't imagine going into something with the expectation of failure. Mm you know, I think you should do things that are going to challenge you so that you might fail. Um, but it doesn't mean that that failure needs to be inevitable. And I think you can also do things to make sure to minimize that risk of it being you know, inevitable or whatever. Um, and, and and I think what I found with uh, uh, having cancer as well, is that um, I've always been very kind of, I, I'm going to use hopeful, um, that it's always going to be okay. Um, when I kind of read, so you know, I, I read back my blog uh, uh, recently, sort of various posts and stuff, and it's always about kind of like um you know, oh, so this is going to be happening next, and I've, I've always kind of thought that the treatments would work out okay. um And with you know, for example, with with HPV cancer, what I have, you know, the the chances of remission are ninety eight percent or something like that. It's really high. So you know, I always thought, oh, this it's going to be really awful but I'm going to come through it and you know for the next five years it's going to be okay and um, so in a sense I'm you know I'm it's just unlucky that uh, uh metastasize and, and I'm not one of that sort of two to three percent where it's not remission emission but then even with sort of you know sort of stage four cancer um I'm on immunotherapy which has been absolutely brilliant and I you know I, I could never have imagined that being on a therapy to control stage four cancer would mean that I would actually run within one year 200 mile races um, it, it, you know so I I, I have hope that is going to keep on working um, because in, in a sense if you you know if, if you don't have the hope or you, or you don't and I don't know the hopes are a word but you know you you've got to, you've got to keep a positive outlook to this no matter how kind of sort of bad things can get and, and of course sure there are there's really low moments like you know when when i was told you know, the thought to move to my spine um Dave and i had you know made out you know um living wills, all this kind of thing and you know i had to leave work very very quickly because it, it you know there wasn't much time left type stuff so i didn't want to be spending my last few months marking uh exams mm-hmm. as much as i love my students <laughs> that was not be my favorite uh a uh, 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 past etc okay but you're talking thought,
1: to a teacher it's fine i i would not want to mark exams either <laughs> you
2: no the answers can be brilliant but you know there there's other things in life isn't there um but but i always but and, and i still think that you know i still have god I'll say this doesn't work out but i still have hope that it will and you know and and i was you know that with my unit therapy if I can keep this going for say if, if I can remain alive for, for two to three years then that's enough time for new um uh treatments to be found um and all that kind of stuff and so maybe just by keeping it at bay making it a manageable um, a manageable chronic dis- disease and illness then the hope there is that you know something will come in the near future um so yeah so you know to me that is incredibly important and in some ways though I'm very good at putting things in the boxes and maybe i can be unrealistic in that you know well okay something really bad is happening okay that's going in a box and i will deal with it later and i'm not going to think about it i'm I'm, and i'm very good at doing that and then just getting on and and doing a task at hand Um, and eventually it does kind of seep back through and and i know that i do have to tackle it but um but yeah that's it it, you know that's just a management tool i think that i've I've, I've developed for this kind of of crisis management in your life
1: It's interesting that you talk about boxes, though, because when you were speaking about sort of how you've interacted with queer runnings and that also being part of kind of queering the landscape as well um, Mm. and going off-road and onto trail and that being a sort of multifaceted experience, um, that strikes me as kind of breaking out of boxes and kind of creating a new space um do you find yeah. that running actually helps in terms of again i'll use that word fluidity both in terms of illness and also how you represent yourself in the lgbtq plus community
2: yeah i i, I, I I'd, I'd say so definitely um i think so and, and this comes back to uh, an, an an earlier thing we talked about. Um, what do you think about running you know i think of nothing you know i just run and things process and you know whatever and um and when i was in in remission uh uh after my head and neck cancer i remember just just going for a, like a, a very long run and you know and you know at, at the moment there's, there's lots of debate about sort of um gender identity and sort of non-binary and trans politics and all that kind of stuff um and 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 i was trying to work in you know, why do i get so you know uh emotionally involved in the subject why do I get upset by it um uh and just think about this and it was just processing in my head all the time and then that's kind of like on, on this long run to probably processing of what's mean you know for my own gender identity you know what's it mean to be male be masculine to identify that gender etc and, and and on that just one run I just had this wave of euphoria that. um that my gender was more than a binary and you know, i wasn't just male i didn't know kind of what i was it just felt that that was just too simplistic and then i got thinking about well you know when i was like at, at school and stuff and um i was like you know bullied quite a lot for you know oh you know you're you're uh you're know, for being gay etc and and a lot of that would do with that i was very kind of like sort of quite quite feminine things and 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 i bottled i, I put that in a box and i didn't consider sort of that again you know for 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 decades and I was kind of realizing so what was part of me sort of growing up and you know expressing my sort of sort of gender identity. it was it was it was taken as being really me being a closeted gay type thing Then actually I maybe it wasn't at all maybe there, there was more to it and I just put it in that box for many decades and I didn't think about it again and so the more I thought about you know probably anyone's gender identity is probably quite fluid we, we, we were just so used to be thinking in the binary of male and female that um it's not so much that you know we're so much maybe a special group of people we're just kind of um you know one you know, we're, we're at the start of 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 society realizing that you know we are are are, are more than the sum of, of just being identified as a male or a female and and, and to me that kind of realization was I had a just a sense of absolute euphoria a bit like when I kind of realized I was gay and I met David I kind of fall in love with a, a man it's like oh my god this is this is who I truly am and that would not have come out if I hadn't done this long distance running because that that's the processing thing in the background I wasn't really thinking about that much I was thinking about being upset and I didn't know why but you know that definitely sort of came through with that in in, in the ultra running
1: it's such a beautiful realization and yeah I can imagine that Movement and yeah, so the, the fluidity of movement being able to kind of un unleash something there that's been literally, as you said, boxed within you and yeah. breaking down those boxes. And again, it's about how we are assigned or or perceived that we should have these labels, whether it's labels around what a sick person should look like or what a man yeah. should look like or what a woman should look like, or and actually we don't. We don't have to be any of those things. We can make our own yeah. own spaces and be how we want to be.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I, I think sort of so sort of with you know so sort so of two things. One thing so sort of with 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 the boxing, um, I was then, when I was diagnosed with uh, cancer the second time it was only about a couple of months after the sort of sort of gender gender identity kind of realization that gender identity bit got put back in the box because i it you know it, it was actually quite tough to deal with and and to you know what's my place with, with my partner and friends and family that kind of stuff um and to deal with that and this imminent threat of death from cancer the 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 the, the two were too much to deal with and that kind of went back in the box i was can then just sort of put into sort of dealing with, with 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 the cancer and stuff um but then with immunotherapy that because i've responded to that so well um that has given me a, again a chance to, you know, explore notions of sort of uh, gender identity, sexuality, who I am, my identity, et, et, et cetera. So, so that's been really good. And then finding the queer running group who are all at different stages of of their own kind of like different identities or for for whether it's sports, et cetera. um yeah, it' it's been really kind of sort of very um uh, life affirming. And then, as you say with cancer, like you know we're 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 kind of told. You know oh we've got can i mean so what, i think one of the things that doesn't a bit. so people say oh i've got cancer it's like oh it's really awful for you such a shame and it's like and you know people you know i never take people out for the language use because we all have our own language to express stuff and it's not fair for me to you know someone might be scared of talking about death and who, who am i to 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 challenge them for that but i do you know i do think that you know having stage for cancer you know knowing that i can run an ultramarathon i can run 100 miles having this means that um the cancer isn't so okay, it's a paradox and one way is not defining me I can still do these am- amazing kind of feats uh that would be amazing whether you had cancer or not type thing but in another sense I'm only doing them because I had cancer so they're really they're so inextricably linked that you know I I, I can't separate them out at all and to me I think my sort my sort of ultra ultra running sort of um uh career as you like is is is, is exactly the same as my cancer career for the word, a better word the, the 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 two are just so well tied together one wouldn't happen
1: it's so generous and empathetic in the way that you that you do um interact with other people's language as well and it's just one of those things like you don't have to whisper around me you don't <laughs> and we can talk about it open but as you say people have different experiences also of how they confront things like sickness and death and don't necessarily yeah. have the language to be able to talk about it,
2: yeah, and 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 what I've noticed, like, so, you know, so, you know, having a blog, right, and um, and it used to be on, on on Twitter, but less so now, but more on on Instagram. You know, I'm I'm very open about my cancer, and you know, I'll talk about the latest results, the the ups and the downs, all that kind of thing. And 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 I do get like lots of people who will just message me saying, "Oh, I just read your blog," or "Well, I just, you know, I came across this," and you know. And, and, and I know that they found the blog really, really helpful because it's demystified, like what the process is, it's demystified what people can do and challenge of people who have cancer, um, you know, and, you know, although, you know, something like stage four, ultimately, usually, you know, we know what the end is going to be, but that could be, you know, years down the line. And you know, with 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 treatments, that could be you know, who knows? You know, the the hope is there that it could be so sort of many years in the future. And 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 so I think that you know, talking about having cancer is actually really important by by demystifying it, by showing that you know you 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 don't have to be this kind of like this ill person. You know, you have something inside you, sure, that's very serious, but you know, the in a sense, you're you know, you can still do stuff that you know other people wouldn't probably do in the first place.
1: You spoke about putting um, gender identity back in a box there, and I wondered, do you think that that would have been a regret if you hadn't have had the opportunity, the kind of second shot at actually being able to unpack that?
2: So I don't regret that I put it in the box for that extra bit of time because it had been in a box anyway for a long time. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt that there, so in a weird way, there wasn't a rush because it'd be near the box so long. But i it's another there the isn't a rush because, you know, if, if my time is limited, then I won't explore that more fully. Um, so um, so I, I, I don't regret doing that, but I am really, I mean, so I still have this, I feel inside me, this kind of like welling off. There is so much potential I don't know about myself now and in the future to do with gender identity i think it's really uh just you know just just looking at things differently like you know beyond like the the masculine and feminine and stuff like that it just I, I just find it incredibly exciting i find it as exciting as it did you know when i first came out being gay as well you know there's so much possibility there's there, there's so much you know and you know and, and even but, but the label like being gay was gay be mean you know if i was being honest myself. You know i'm not 100 gay you know your, your sexuality is actually can be fluid you know in space and in time as well and and i think just this notion of um not being this fixed person you know so you know i'm 56 am i gonna you know say i was gonna live until i was like you know 76 86 should i be the same person in 30 years time no we'd be you know i've changed over 30 years in the past i want to keep changing 30 years into the future and I find that incredibly exciting I think this whole and, and and it's like doing these ultra marathon races um I I would never have dreamed about say doing the the arc of attrition uh in in January and and unless my um trainer uh, from pre-running's Toby had said oh why can't you do this race it's really tough and it's really dangerous you'll love it and I'm kind of going uh okay <laughs> if you're sure and it was brilliant you know it really did challenge me and so just to have those opportunities i think it's just absolutely fantastic i think that's really exciting and you know it's kind of weird that i i look back and within two days of looking back them, i actually couldn't remember anything about the race at all um and i think that's because i just enjoyed it so much i loved every hour every really hard hour in the nighttime scrabbling over rocks down big like steep hills uh you know just i just it was just all just brilliant just absolutely brilliant i mean it's just, i don't know it's, I think it's one of the most joyous things i've ever done
1: let's say so, i just, just i love that <laughs> so much just your smile is just giving me so much joy myself <laughs> giggling over the over a very cold night <laughs> it's so lovely
2: uh, i don't know it's just it's just I, I just enjoyed it so much, <laughs> It's fantastic! But I can't remember any, any of it. But I think that's because I was just enjoying. It. I, was, I was just, you know, I think I, I think I, I was in the moment, and I had to focus so hard all the time because you know you're running in the dark. You look one meter to your, your left. You have got this cliff face. You could fall off. And then one meter to your right, and in the dark, you got all these like abandoned minds. You can't leave the path if you fell to one of them. Then you know you're you're, you're you know you, you could break a leg or or you know, worse be killed and just focusing all that time was, was, was just, it, it was a joy. It was just brilliant. And, and I I feel really grateful for being able to have a chance to do that. And, and so, so yeah, so I, I guess like, you know, there, there's lots to be grateful for, you know, having cancer of course is really bad. Um, but I would never have done these long races if I hadn't had cancer. The immunotherapy has allowed me to explore avenues about myself my gender identity, but also explore these really tough technical races as well. Um so yeah, so that's it's it's all it's, you know, in many ways it's all positive, it's all good, apart from the other crappy bit, of course, <laughs> but you know <laughs> I can box that way, that's fine.
1: And you've spoken um too about the love and support that you've found through connecting with these communities, whether that be um, through groups or at events as well. Um, and I wonder, what does kindness mean to you, um, both in terms of how you've connected with people in being open and vulnerable online with your, as we've said, cancer journey, although we don't like calling it cancer journey, um, and then also through the kind of ultra world and how, Going on both of those parts brought new perspectives to kindness for you.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that that's that's a really interesting kind of um sort of point to raise. Um I think with kindness, I, th- I think to me, one of the things that maybe sort of characterizes kindness is that um for me it's kind of linked to understanding. And you may not understand everything about someone. It doesn't mean that you can't be kind to them um and you know there are many people who i i, I just wouldn't understand you know why they would do some whatever but it doesn't doesn't mean i i can show them sort of some respect and and be kind etc and so no, you know yeah so, so so kindness is i think is actually one of the most appealing um characters about someone and if someone is shows kindness to another person then it kind of shows that they've got some empathy you know and that empathy may come from either having been there themselves and they understand that situation a wee bit or it might be that they have no idea about that situation but they know that there's another human being in there who you know who could be you know uh either happy or in pain or it doesn't really matter and and I I think so, so showing kindness to other people is, is hugely important um and I think that's why I quite like the um a lot of I like the the, the Camino Ultra group in, in London the the you know the the, the two main people I, i've met who is sort of run that um paul and david you know, they're incredibly kind people they're really generous people as well um and you know they're always like um enthusiastic and helping you kind of like just you know if you want to do this then you know we, you know, we can talk about it you know we'll lag you to our whatsapp group and you'll get more advice in that and, and all this kind of stuff and 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 they really have sort of gone out at least for me anyway i know other people that they've gone out of their way to help people um achieve their goals off say doing an ultra marathon um and for most people they would never dream of of wanting to do that but i think through this um community group they really do encourage people uh, to do that so yeah i think that's really important
1: and are you crewing at one of their events at, at the weekend because um i i know that you're not running it are you there 50k but what does um being able to contribute to the community in that aspect give you
2: yeah so um I, I was going to be running this this, this uh there's like the Lee Valley uh 50 kilometers um but um after the arc I kind of um maybe I took a week off and then I, I am still running every, I still do running every day you know I've been running every day now for almost 1200 days um oh, sorry, can doing, we just repeat
1: be- that again? Just we <laughs> just glossed over that.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I still kind of I, I run every day uh, you know since right January. And um and I'm still doing it. Um and I kind of o- overall over, over the three years I've been it's about averages about like sort of 10 kilometers a day type thing. Um and so after ARC, I kind of dropped my mileage down a lot, and then I kind of built it up a bit too quickly. Um, against the better judgment of my trainer, Toby, who said, you, you know, you need to take it a bit more easy. And I was going, oh, I'll be fine. You know, I need to train for this um Snowdonia mountain marathon, you know, UTMB type thing. Um but he was absolutely right. And then by the time my birthday came, two weeks later, I just crashed and just became really, really fatigued. And I'd not felt fatigue like that since I, I I'd, I'd actually had a treatment for the head and neck cancer. Um so up to what it was. I'm, i i can barely run an hour never mind run 5 or 6 hours so instead of doing the race i i said oh you know I can volunteer if you like um and i think that's really important to um one that's, you know volunteering for these things it allows you to see how these races work and 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 most of these races would not run without volunteers and so you know when i'm doing these on myself i know that they're giving up their own time to be at checkpoints and all that kind of stuff so, um, so uh, yeah, David, nice panacea will would, would you come to the finish line and then just you know help give out medals and all that kind of stuff and people can cross line and give them a hug as well because you know, it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be really awful weather, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so they're gonna be coming in quite miserable and cold and wet, probably. So um yeah, I think just having like sort of friendly faces who who, who have done it type thing before. I think is, is, is really important. So yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be helping at the end of that race on Saturday.
1: And that's a lovely example also of getting the most out of the moment as it presents itself to you. Um, and I'm wondering, just as kind of, we reach towards the close of our time together, um, one of the things that we have been exploring is is time and being in the moment. And how do you think that we could all live more fully right now?
2: Ooh, that's a uh, difficult and good question. Um, I think by, if you have any sort of fears, you think that you can't do something. And I'm, I, I would just say, just think about how maybe you could do something and, you know, and, and to, you know, challenge that fear and to, you know, not so much take it head on, but aspects of your life if you can that will lead you into little building blocks that can lead you into doing challenging that fear um so i think what at least for me my own experience is all i can really talk about is that um my fear of doing things had often held me back so you know my fear of coming out uh my fear of um you know doing something at work once I, I you know i never did it and i always regretted not doing it um and you know, and I think that's a thing that kind of yeah, sort of hold, holds us back from you know recognizing you know we, we all have amazing potentials and in, 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 in ourselves, and it's only only by overcoming these fears that, that that we can sort of realize that potential, um, and, and 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 I guess you know, having cancer kind of sort of for me at least was like okay, so you you know you need to just look at all those fears head on and just tackle them and just just go off and and and, and do stuff. And so I think for, for, for people like, yeah, so I think that would be my uh, advice to try and try to do. And it just allows for also a much more kind of um, exciting life as well. because so, you know, you, you can break out of a rut, for example, or, you know, do new things or, or meet new people, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we we often work too hard and all that kind of things. I think that can be very useful.
1: I love that when you talked about the arc as well, that it was just so exciting. <laughs> Everything was very exciting. <laughs> before my final question that I ask all my guests I just had a bit of a curveball one um which was if you could embody the spirit of one river in the world or, or one stretch of fresh water shall we say as well just kind of broaden it a little bit which one would it be
2: okay so uh I think that's going to be an easy one for me because it would it would, it would have to be like Baikal mm, I thought that because was... you know it is um so you know, it, it is a lake that's probably one of the most studied in the world but because it is so unusual we're still finding out new things about it all the time we're finding new species in there all the time um you know how the lake works is you know we, we still don't know fully how it maintains itself and regulates itself um so yes I think I would be a Lake Baikal and I you know there's you know there, there's there's hidden depths there there's always more things to find out and you know, it, it's 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 always exciting to yeah to be at at the forefront of that.
1: Lovely, it's like a person always hidden depths beneath the surface.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, Lake Baikal is, is is such an iconic site. Like the the indigenous population, the Buryats, who who live around there, you know, to them, it's it's you know Lake Baikal. It's like it's like a you know there's gods on Baikal. It's it's, it's like a real you know it's an entity in in in, in their existence type thing. So, and I think for many of these kind of sort of freshwater bodies, that's, that's especially true for indigenous populations for, for very good reason. So, yeah.
1: I love that with what Camino are doing with blue waves as well, actually getting people to move along these stretches of, of water and kind of bringing life to them through that as well. And this kind of sense of a reciprocal relationship with them.
2: Yeah, exactly, and you know, there 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 are greenways. Last year, looking at green spaces and you know meeting monthly to go in a different green space across London. This and he said, like this year, it's the blueways. And um, you know, I've been to parts of London I've never been to before. Um, you know, finding like you know hidden underground rivers and all that kind of thing, and you know the the canals and how they were formed and things. So so for um, for, for this year, I'm I'm actually one of the ambassadors for Camino um, because of my interest in ecology and fresh water and stuff. So I've written one blog post for them about the, the, the canals and their importance in, in, in East London and, and Limehouse and stuff. And I hope to write a blog like every season, focusing in on one of the upcoming runs about the ecology and the importance of that fresh water. So it's quite cool being able to you know, still link my research, my interests into their the running from, a you know, like a, a public engagement side as well. So I think that's it. That's quite cool. Oh, well.
1: Absolutely. And finally, what does joy mean to you?
2: Um, so I think joy is really about those my partner say me. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true David. I, I, you know, that, I, I think joy for me is, um, it, it's always finding something new. Um, and, and, I, and I don't mean just like you know, sort of buying something new. I mean, finding something new within yourself that you either didn't know that you could do that you didn't know that was there in the first place and you asked of your personality um and so um or you know um you know if you're in a relationship uh somebody knew that you're you know you're yourselves you didn't know that you could do or, or have or experience etc so yes i think it's always in the in in, in the the development of finding of new things um uh to yeah to challenge yourself because you know if, if if you find new things in yourself you're you know you may be aging in terms of like you know physical and stuff but you're not aging in terms of mentally or emotionally because yeah th- th- that's the thing that in a sense sort of keeps you young keep keeps you alive and i think for me you know staying alive is obviously you know, very important <laughs>
1: I think that's a beautiful point to end on and it's been consistent in throughout our conversation this need for constant curiosity and as you say being open to discovering things whatever age and whatever point you're at in life and how exciting that can be
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean it, it can be incredibly scary and it means you know and 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 it, and it can seem threatening as well but more often than not that you know that sort of stems from the unknown and maybe insecurities and stuff like that and that's why i think like sort of challenging those head-on um i think um can be incredibly important for a lot of people and at least they've been very important for me
1: thank you so much anson for this conversation for your voice and as i said at the beginning just I am so grateful that you are here, that we are here having this conversation and that you are continuing to find new things and new ways of challenging yourself and challenging the world around you because it brings so much joy. So thank you.
2: No, Thank you for asking. I've had a, I've had a really, really nice conversation. Thank you.
0: I am so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support perseverance and joy further if you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests you can find me on instagram at running underscore on underscore joy I'd love to hear from you thanks for listening and I'll see you next time
2: for running on joy